0: This is Sports Radio 100.9, The Myth. You've waited patiently all day. Oh, wait. They were patient. They didn't get rushed. But Great Lakes Bay Region, we finally arrived at the payoff from
1: high school. House call for Isom. To college. Connor Stallions. Like, bro, get a life. To the pros. Five in a row for Mr. Unlimited. We cover everything a Michigan sports fan could want. This is uncharted
0: territory. And now here they are. It's, it's the, the payoff.
1: Thursday. Day number four. Of uh, John wearing a Jim Harbaugh jersey. It gets better every single day, honestly. Coming into the office. So upset. So upset that he, he's still wearing the jersey of a champion. The yeah. jersey of a winner.
2: It's a little uncomfortable today. Wearing number four on day <laughs> number four. Yeah, I'm 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 a little uncomfy. I, I was eating today too, and I didn't want to get like, you know, food on it. And I'm like, why am I wearing a jersey? Not fun. Not Did you fun. finally watch it? The penultimate day. No, I was going to, and then I got sidetracked at work last night. Disgusting. And now I'm like, all right, well, now there's one day left. I might as well not, right? Save myself the trouble and do it tomorrow night or tomorrow afternoon.
1: Disgusting, John.
2: Sorry. Yeah, can't, have you noticed? Not really.
1: I'd be lying if I said I noticed. There you go. It, it, it smells fine, but to be fair, I've been in a separate room than you most of most <laughs> of the day. Uh, here's the deal. We're gonna get to the NFL picks. We're bringing it back. It's Thursday, which means. NFL's back. So NFL picks are back. Just me and John today. We're going to have some fun. We're going to get to Jim Harbaugh a little bit later on in the show, but we just have to deal with the Detroit Pistons once again, unfortunately. Because they have become the most intolerable sports team in the country. Yeah, not just the NBA, not just pro sports. They are insufferable. The talent discrepancy between the Pistons and every other team in the NBA is equivalent to watching Michigan football take on Hawaii. Yet for some reason, I torment myself two to three times a week watching what appears to be a train wreck of a basketball team. It's like a car accident. You can't look away. Every game is another low point. Every game they find a new rock bottom, and yesterday the Pistons' rock bottom was a 24-point blowout to the Lakers. The game was over five minutes into the first quarter. The game marked their 15th consecutive loss, setting a new franchise record. And for anyone who's rooting for radio, the all-time NBA losing record in a single season is 24 games, only nine more to go. And before you tell me they've got to win eventually, the rest of the calendar year they play 14 games, only three of which are against teams below 500. If you watch last night's game, first of all, I'm sorry you're never getting those three hours back. But what you did get to see was the Lakers shooting 24 more free throws than the Pistons. And no, it's not because LeBron and AD get superstar calls. It's because the Pistons foul more than every other team in the NBA. It's like oxygen to this roster. So the question is no longer whose fault is this mess. The question is who is not at fault. You guys all know how I feel about Troy Weaver. And if you don't, here's a summary. He works one day a year and that's draft night. He's a uh, a fourth grader trading Pokemon cards on the playground could probably finesse this guy in a trade. The rosters assembled, the roster assembled together makes negative sense. He only got the job because he made a living off of what Sam Presti did in OKC and he can't formulate coherent sentences that make sense to other human beings. There's the cliff notes for you. I've dug into him enough over the past month. It's well documented. If you don't want him fired, you're just unreachable. So for the rest of the show, John's going to keep me in check. If I say anything mean about that bozo, I'm going to get X. I'm going to get rid of one right now. He's an idiot. Go, go ahead. I've got two more of the rest of the show. <laughs> Today, my question revolves around Monty Morris. Or I'm sorry, Monty Williams, the head coach of the Detroit Pistons. And my question is this. What the hell difference do you make? What on earth have you attributed in the last five months? Because if you think we're not equally as pissed as you at you, Monty Williams, well, then get out of Detroit. We don't want you anymore. Goodbye, you've been dismissed. Keep your $78 million for all I care. It's not my money. It's Tom Gore's money, who's currently off the grid, nowhere to be found. If the Pistons had a real owner, he'd make a statement by now. Having lost 15 games in a row. He'd answer the questions we have. But he's off the grid under a rock somewhere. If he doesn't make a statement soon, someone should put out a missing report for this guy. I I I have no idea why you haven't been in front of a camera in two months when the Pistons are at an all-time low. Where the hell is the owner of this team? Who hand-selected Monty Williams to be the head coach of this dumpster fire? And if you recall the series of events that happened this spring, Monty Williams didn't even want to coach this year. He was done. He had just been fired by the Suns. His wife was dealing with a potentially life-threatening illness. So Tom Gores, the visionary he is, sent a private jet to pick up Monty Williams, flew him out to California, and whipped out $78 million on the table and said, take it or leave it, pal. Well, money talks, and he took it. Fast forward six months, doesn't matter if it's Monty Williams, John Williams, Serena Williams, the Pistons have the worst record in the NBA. Tom Gores could have saved himself $78 million and said, all right, Cade Cunningham, you're the coach, good luck. And the Pistons would still have the worst record in the NBA right now. It can't be worse than what's currently going on. And then Monty Williams has the audacity to tell us, Well, you know what? We've had a really good practice the last couple of days. Everyone's diving for loose balls. Who cares? Who cares how you perform in practice? Allen Iverson doesn't. I don't either. The craziest thing is that's not even one of the three dumbest things he said all week long. On Monday, he threw an actual hissy fit during the postgame press conference.
0: Manny, understanding where you guys were coming into this game, and also with Washington uh, on a slide as well, how disappointing is it to, go very, to lose losing this match? Very. How would you describe the spirit Horror. of the Is there a? I want to ask this the right way. I mean, when when there's anger, is it is it, can there be healthy anger? It's just a level of of growing up in this on this team, um, maturity, understanding what game plan discipline is. All the stuff we talk about all the time. It's enough talking. That wasn't
1: fight on the floor. That wasn't pistons basketball. I'm sorry, aren't you the one that's supposed to be fueling the fight in these young guys in this roster? You're the adult in the room. And for you to talk about maturity, did you see how, or did you hear how he just he just answered these questions? This guy's talking about the lack of maturity on this team, and he has the audacity to have all these one-word answers to these reporters just trying to do their jobs? Do you even want to be here? That's the question I would have asked him if I was there. Do you even want to be here? And then, even more unbelievable, he strolls out to the press conference after yesterday's lost and just throws his team under the bus.
0: You can make excuses or progress, but you can't do both. And we got to make progress. We have guys that are capable. They've shown it. And when they showed it, the city was excited about it. And we got to give this city something to be excited about. And I, I know what this city wants. I've been here as an opponent. When you play hard and you defend and you get after people, they'll never boo you. When I look at the faces, it almost feels like I'm dealing with or, or coaching guys that are looking for answers they
1: it, And it's my job to help them. The booing doesn't bother me at all. I'm sorry, the booing would bother me if I was a head coach. Maybe that's just me. And you're looking at your players' faces. You see them defeated. It's your job to pick them up. You're the adult in the room. You're the one with all the experience. You're the one that brought a team to a finals. And and does someone want to remind me when the Suns started winning? Hmm. Same time Chris Paul Paul showed up. Okay, got it. Thanks. I'm starting to think that had almost nothing to do with Monty Williams and everything to do with CP3. So 989-837-6125. If you're just as over it as I am, feel free to chime in. Or if you've got something, anything positive to say about this guy, anything positive that Monty Williams has done, since he's walked in the door, please enlighten me. Because if you ask me, he has set this franchise back a minimum of two seasons. He is just as much of a problem as Troy Weaver. No one hustles. No one plays defense for him. And maybe that goes all the way back to benching Jaden Ivey, who was on second team all rookie last season for who Killian Hayes, who's a career eight points per game on less than 38% shooting, less than 28% from three Monty Williams, not the guy they tried it. It didn't work. I'm over it. Nine, eight, nine. 837 6125. You're listening to The Payoff, fueled by Forward Energy. More of the
0: Great Lakes Bay Region's only local sports show. Back to The Payoff.
1: The Pistons have lost 15 games in a row, and I'm sick of it. I'm over it. I think Monty Williams is just as much to blame as everyone else in the organization, on the roster. This is a joke. We're in year four, year five of the rebuild. Why is it not working? Orlando's winning. They started their rebuild the year after the Pistons. The Rockets are winning. They started their rebuild the same year as the Pistons. The Pacers are winning. They started their rebuild the year after the Pistons. All these teams are figuring it out. I'm tired of excuses. I don't want to hear them anymore. Don't tell me, well, this is what Monty Williams has been telling us in, in Troy Weaver. Wait until Bojan's back. Bojan can't guard a dead guy. So what what am I supposed to make of this? They can't stop anybody. Their best method of stopping people from scoring field goals is to foul them and send them to the free throw line. They lead the league in it. They lead the league in fouls. I, I don't understand how I'm supposed to sit here and be okay with everything that's going on. And then we get reports a couple of days ago that Troy Weaver's not even on the hot seat. He is the worst general manager in all of the NBA. Sure. Okay.
0: I have, Come on. I have one
1: more, one more knock at Troy Weaver that I'm allowed to say left. But Monty Williams is the subject of matter right now. He doesn't seem like he wants to be there. He's throwing a hissy fit at the press conferences earlier this week. He's throwing his team under the bus yesterday. The team has players only the team had a players only meeting last week called by, of all people, Isaiah Stewart, who's on the trade block, probably just probably won't be traded because Troy Weaver has these obsessions with some of these guys on our team. I don't understand what they're doing. I don't understand why Monty Williams was brought here. Someone please enlighten me. 989-837-6125. Because the way Monty Williams body language is, he just sits stands on the bench, walks back and forth, doesn't yell at anybody, crosses his arms, and just sits there mad. It's not working. The Pistons tried it. It's not working. And the fact that Tom Gores flew a private jet out for the guy, begged him to come back. He was done. He was walking away from the sunset. He had been fired by the Suns. He was ready to be done for a couple years at least and spend time with his family. Tom Gores threw $78 million at him, potentially $100 million. Monty Williams feels inclined to accept his role as coach rather than what a coach should be able to do and say and, and go to the GM go to the owner and say I don't like this roster this roster's not winning basketball games but because Tom Gores did him a favor threw him all this extra money he feels obligated to sit there and not yell at anybody he doesn't have the authority the ability to go to upper management and say I need this because Troy Weaver was hired for the same reason. You wanted to get happy and uh, finesse with it and tell everyone, oh, we hired someone who worked with Sam Presti. Look, who all, uh, look at all the guys they drafted. Look at what they assembled in OKC. Kevin Durant, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. I'm pretty sure that was all Sam Presti, guys. So Tom Gores brings him in as well. And now no one's keeping anyone in check. Troy Weaver sitting there yelling at Monty Williams, that, why are we not winning? Monty Williams isn't yelling at anybody because he's just trapped with this awful roster. Sure, you can count that as an X if you, if you really wanted a knockout. Kind of, yeah, there you go, I'm out of him. I'm just over it at this point. I wish the head coach had some sort of self-respect to go to upper management, to go to the owner, to go to the GM and say, I need a better roster. But he's not going to do it. Because Tom Gores gave him such a big favor. You don't get to be paid the highest uh, the highest NBA coaching salary in NBA history and then blame it on the GM. It's not how it works. It's an organizational mess from the top down. From the owner to the GM to the coach to the players. It's a mess. And I'm sick of it, John. I'm over it.
2: I get that, and I was... With you you and Brad back when Williams was hired, I don't remember when that was, but sometime during the summer, right, when they made him the next coach of the Pistons. And I wouldn't say you guys were elated, but it definitely felt like, at that time, a step in the right direction. And now, what is what, 17 games into the season? It's a feeling that the players on this roster hate his guts. Monty Williams? Uh, yes. Do, do you blame them? How does he that happen? That Jaden For a guy who's a former Coach of the Year award winner.
1: A guy hey, who... Let, let's just be real clear about something. Not everyone in Phoenix loved Monty Williams. Mm-hmm. Monty Williams and DeAndre Ayton beefed from day one. They were not fans of each other. They hated each other. It was very apparent. And he did the exact same thing the second he showed up to Jaden Ivey. The exact same thing. He benched him. He put him in his place. And you know what? Cade Cunningham and Jayden, and Jalen Duran were probably all thinking, what the hell? This guy's supposed to be one of the future foundational pieces. And you're just benching him to play his style of basketball, which was defense, which was not fouling. And then they, they still suck at that. But now once you realize, okay, yeah, Killian Hayes stinks. We're going to play Jaden Ivy more. What does he do? He scores. He's being more efficient. He's facilitating. He's doing everything you want him to do. Sure, he's not one of the best defenders in the NBA, but you have to lean into the team strengths rather than bring this, your own system in because it's not like the Pistons had a coach last year who the system wasn't working. They had a lack of talent. Cade Cunningham wasn't there. You have to maximize the talent on your roster when you have a young team like this, not tell them how they should be playing your method of basketball. You can't, not every team is the same. And, and that's what's bothering me. That's how he's coaching. And I'm just done with it. He doesn't seem like he wants to be there. I'm over it. We're 19 games into the season, and they need to figure out some way to move on from him at some point.
2: So who you bring it in. Because when Monty was hired, I wouldn't say, I mean, you would know better than I would on the subject, but who were the coaching targets out there besides him for well, the Pistons at that point? It seemed like. Pun intended, it was a slam dunk when they hired him. It was.
1: To be fair, it was a slam dunk. He was the best guy on the market. He joined the market late because the Suns fired him late. The original guys that the Pistons were looking at were Charles Lee, Kevin Ali, and Jaron Collins. Now, I'm looking back at Kevin Ali. Now he's an assistant coach on the Nets. This is a guy who coached the 2014 UConn National Championship team. This is a guy who coached at Overtime Elite where Asar Thompson played, so he has some sort of connection there. Ability to coach young guys, having college experience, 12-year NBA player, captain on Minnesota, a very respected guy. Someone to change the culture. And, And maybe that doesn't all fall on the coach. That has to happen from all the way up to ownership. Look what happened with the Lions. The owner changes, Sheila Ford takes over, and she's the one that hires Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell to change the culture of this team. So maybe it's impossible to happen under Tom Gorse. Maybe it is, but Kevin Ali would have been a great culture change. Someone who works great with young players. I've got a quote for you about Kevin Ali. John, you're going to go ahead and guess who said this. Ooh, Kevin Ali. He was a game changer for us. This is when he was a player. Sure. He was a game changer for us. I think he changed the whole culture in Oklahoma city. There's a hint for you. Mm. Just his mindset, professionalism, Every single day, we all watched that, and we all wanted to be like that. Who do you think said that?
2: Ooh, Oklahoma City, late 2010s, I'm going to think Durant.
1: Exactly. Ooh, look at me. Bingo. Look at you knowing your NBA.
2: Yeah. I would, uh, yes, I would be
1: lying if I said I didn't want the Pistons to hire Monty Williams back then. But 2020 is always hindsight, and the way they went about things, he did not want to coach that was very well documented. He was done. But money talks, and Tom Gorse offered him all that money, and for what? They have the worst record in the NBA. John, when I say you or I could be the coach, and it wouldn't make a difference, I mean it because if me and you were the coach, they'd still be the worst team in the NBA regardless of how much knowledge either of us have. Like I said, you could have you brought Phil Jackson in. Maybe it doesn't even make a
2: difference. They'd be worse, actually. They wouldn't have a win.
1: <laughs> what's, wait, what's your, what's your beef with Phil Jackson?
2: Just look up—I uh, don't know—Phil <laughs> Jackson, <laughs> New York Knicks—and then I think things should pop up. The one—the one caveat I'll throw your way, by the way—and I'm an Ollie guy. Durant's uh, thoughts on coaches—he—he eh, he begged for Nash in Brooklyn and That's then left true. him. That's true. That's true. I need no, Nashy. You're right, you're I need right. Nashy. And then, all right, now I'm gone. So that guy's, you know, you're right.
1: You're right. But that he wasn't talking about Kevin Ali as a player no, no or as a coach. Yes. He was talking about yes. him as a player. Yeah. And, and, I, think and that, I like Ali. That wasn't a shot at Ali. And I think that speaks to Kevin Ali as a person rather than as a coach. Maybe he's a terrible coach. I don't know. I, I'd love to call up someone on in Brooklyn. I mean, you probably have more connections out there than I am and see what Kevin Ali is, is doing on the bench out there as an assistant coach. He was obviously wanted. He went from college to the NBA and that doesn't happen if you're not wanted. Or actually he went from college to OTE to the NBA. Now mm-hmm. I'm looking at this and he has a ton of experience. He hasn't been the head coach of an NBA team, but he's got experience as an assistant coach. Overtime Elite, college, he's been everywhere. He can relate to anybody as a player too, a captain. I'm looking at him and I'm I'm giving him another call because it seemed before Monty Williams got on the market it did seem like he was the favorite to land the job, but then all of a sudden Monty Williams became available and everyone went Google Gaga eyes over him. <laughs> we'll hit the text line. If you guys want to chime in, go ahead and hit the Frick sports bar text line, nine, eight, nine, eight, three, seven, six, one, two, five. Leave your name. Leave what city you're texting from, or John's going to, his head's going to explode. Yes. Uh, this is a, Nine eight nine number. First thing first, you're clueless if you thought the Pistons were going to do anything. The rebuild restarted last year, or this year once again. I don't blame the players or the coach. This is all Tom Gores. He has no clue what he's doing and needs to sell the team. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. Like I I do agree that Tom Gores needs to sell this team. He clearly does not care. He doesn't want to show his face. But I don't think the rebuild reset last year or this year. Why? Well, what is that about? The rebuild has been here. I mean, in, in, his, in Troy Weaver's first season, don't ask me, this isn't a knock on him. He drafted Killian Hayes and Isaiah Stewart. Eh. NBA players, not guys you can build around. Then he drafted Cade. Boom, your clock starts. You have to get good fast. The Pacers did it with Tyrese Halliburton. I'm not hearing any, I mean, they didn't draft him, but they traded for him and it worked. The, the Magic did it with Paolo and Franz. Boom, they're good. One of the top teams in the East. I mean, you can do this fast. Look what the Rockets did. Oh, look at that. The Rockets were drafting well, like the Pistons have been doing, but the Rockets actually brought in competent NBA players like Fred Van Fleet, like Dylan Brooks. They brought in veterans. Pistons decided to bring in Joel Harris. There's a difference there. Come on.
2: No, I'm kidding. This person
1: also says <laughs> Isaiah Stewart sucks.
2: That's nice.
1: He blows a lot of he blows a lot of layups. I'll say that. But he is shooting, I believe, 40, last time I looked, I, it's been a couple of days, but he's shooting 41% from three this year. I think the last couple of games have been rough. But if he's going to be, he's a great rebounder. He's a good defender. I'll say good defender, not a great defender. But if he's going to be able to hit from the outside, he's going to be valuable to some other team, not the Pistons, because he's never going to be the foundational part of an organization, but off the bench as a seventh or eighth guy. Yeah, he could be a super, super important part to a a rotation on a good playoff team where he's not part of the core. Uh, Dwayne from Bay City. Gores doesn't give a damn. He thought paying for a winning coach was going to bring a quick winner. Gores is a trash owner. I'm from Flint like Gore, but I don't consider him homeboy. And this is horrible, horribly ran organization. Nailed it. Uh, Jalen from Midland. I'm hoping you chose this Pistons topic. The fans deserve better. There's no accountability at all, and no one seems to give a darn about this organization. All these guys have accepted losing. Yeah. Like, that, that's the saddest part. I'm glad people are texting in because it shows people care because if the Lions were this bad, people would be irate. People were irate. But it does seem like within the or- Pistons organization, no one really cares. They're losing. They've been losing for 15 years and everyone's like, yeah, we'll figure it out next year. We're going to keep trying.
2: And especially this time Detroit sports where, you know, looking ahead, obviously, but the Tigers may be on the upswing mm-hmm. red wings right now are in a playoff spot and the lions are one of the best teams in the NFC.
1: Look at what these other teams are doing. The lion, like you said, lions sit atop the NFC North, the tigers yet to make a big move in the offseason, but they bring in Jason Benetti. It shows They want a serious broadcaster. They're at least improving within the organization, Mm -hmm. within the organizational structure. They're improving their product. Uh, The red wings. They just brought in the greatest American hockey player of all time. Patrick Kane. I don't know what he's going to bring to the table yet. We'll see, but they're trying at least what are the Pistons trying? Oh, here's Joe Harris. He scored 24 points this year and now is buried in the rotation. Doesn't play
2: one final question. Mogdanovich is healthy. Morris is healthy. How many teams is, how many wins does this team have at this point of the season? I don't know. Four or five. Maybe.
1: (laughs) So then that's not enough,
2: right? I mean, yeah, exactly. If if they are two wins better, like maybe they win the Miami game to begin the season. Maybe there's like stuff.
1: The problem is whose minutes are they taking? Mm -hmm. Like whose minutes is Monte Morris taking? Killian, Please. Please. My god. 989-837-6125. Uh, if you guys want to keep talking pistons, we can do that. Otherwise, we've got some Harbaugh stuff locked and loaded I know John's excited about it. He's been wearing the Harbaugh I'm dressed all like week. Him. You've got the Michigan versus everybody hat. We'll get to it next. You're listening to The Payoff fueled by Forward Energy. The Payoff
0: continues. More from the Great Lakes Bay Region's home for sports. Sports
1: Radio 100.9 The Mitt. We'll hit the text line one more time regarding this Monty Williams thing. I'm over it. They got to find a way out of this contract. I don't even care. Tom Gores, you can pay him for all I care. Just get him out of here. He doesn't want to be here. He's made that very clear at the press conferences this week. Uh, we'll hit the text line, and then we'll move on to Harbaugh. But real quick, John, DJU, former Clemson quarterback, supposed to be the next Trevor Lawrence, transfers out to Oklahoma State. He's in the transfer portal. That'd be pretty big for Michigan
2: State. Well, for Oregon State, but yeah,
1: what did yeah. I say? Oklahoma. It's oh okay. yeah, 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 close
2: enough. Uh sure. To the Beavers, and now maybe coming over to the Spartans. This is my hey, ideal scenario. That would ben. be huge. Remember, the Dodgers spent a 19th round pick on DJU. Stop. I'm not Stop. Gonna, so this is what Stop. he does. He plays football with the Spartans, and then. I'm not saying the dog days of summer, but June and July throws a couple innings down here. All I'll say is this. Why and, not? And Keep then the we'll arm fresh.
1: All I'll say is this, and we'll move on. That would be massive for Michigan State. <laughs> when was the last time Michigan State had a top 20 quarterback in the country? DJ. I he, don't know. He, he, Kirk he did Cousins? Not, yeah. He did not live up to expectations. He was not the next guy at Clemson by any means, but he's still one of the 20 best quarterbacks of college football. So do everything you can to go get him. All right. Text line on Monty Williams John for Man Arbor. I was mad when Gores hired Monty Williams. Williams is younger version of Jeff Van Gundy. Weaver's trash. Isaiah Stewart is a bench player at most. I'm surprised Ben Wallace, Rip Hamilton, and some great Pistons are not saying anything to Pistons ownership to get them on track. That's a good point. We need some help from the, uh, not the alums, but the former guys. Where's I, I mean, I'm sure you have enough nice things to say about Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, no, bring him in. He he knows how to build teams. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? He, he, he built your Knicks up. He did, he did. And Listen, tore them hey, down even it's, faster.
2: It's not 100% him. It was a lot of, obviously, the the owner there, too. But, you know, I, I don't know if it'd work here.
1: Uh, John from Ann Arbor goes on to say the Pistons broadcast team um, are getting paid so they, they don't have to be patient. They're company men not being real at all. Yeah, the broadcast is a joke.
2: I I can't speak on that. I haven't watched it. George,
1: I mean George Blaha gets like four things wrong a game.
2: Oh no, like I he's come a, on, he, he's on our air. He's a,
1: he's a legend, but wow, it's, it's time, man. I think that's it's James time.
2: from Ann Arbor too. I think he might have misspelled his name there.
1: Uh, he just he he told us John. He just I don't know. He texted hey, in John from it's great, Ann Arbor. It's a
2: great name, you know.
1: Uh, Zach. If the text loads. Uh hey, Ben and John, Zach here. Excited for the Broncos versus Lions in primetime week fifteen. Teacher versus student, Sean Payton versus Dan Campbell. Ooh, Lions get flexed. Their sixth primetime game of the year when you include Thanksgiving. Week fifteen, now Sunday nights. Just announced a couple hours Saturday ago. Saturday night. But yes. No. Wait. Yes. Oh.
2: It's hey, gonna wait, be so Saturday night have, NFL network. Game. So they have two
1: Saturday night games. What's the other one? Dallas. Dallas is yeah. G- December 30th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay.
2: Yep. And then who knows Big with the Vikings the that last week, right? Mm-hmm. Has I mean, I guess it's got to be that. No, it says in, it could be Saturday or Sunday. I love that the last week, by the way, too, this is an aside. And I don't know if it's actually, you know, if Lions fans have complained about this, but how about the two last home games of the regular season? You buy your season tickets, not knowing what time they start or what day they're yeah, on. Yeah, it's tough. <laughs> you sort of you have to keep your completely. You have to complete uh, keep your Saturday and Sunday free.
1: And it sucks for away fans too coming to the game. Yeah, who are tough. trying to fly in, especially well, from Denver.
2: The NFL makes it work.
1: They'll make their People money.
2: People bend over backwards.
1: Uh, John, I wanted to bring up John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh. Or Jim Harbaugh, All excuse right. me. I'm thinking of you. You're wearing the Jim Harbaugh <laughs> jersey. That's me uh, this week. We've been trying to predict for months what Jim Harbaugh's future is going to look like. I originally told everyone if they won a national championship or if the NCAA tried to suspend him for the full season next year, he'd walk away in the sunset and go back to the NFL. Then for a minute, it looked like he was going to be blacklisted from the NFL because of the college football suspension. And the way Michigan was backing him, it felt like he was going to get this massive contract. Michigan was jumping in front of bullets for this guy, ready to go to war for him. But then that Thursday rolls around before the Maryland game and they dropped that court date where they were trying to defend him, get him unsuspended. Something had to have come out because for them to talk all that talk and then not even show up to court, not to, def- uh, to not defend Jim Harbaugh, something had to have changed. So at this point, no one knows what his future looks like, and I'm done making predictions. But what I do know is regardless of what happens, he holds all of the power. Michigan is never going to find a better coach. Look at the empire he has built there. Look at how his players and coaches talk about him. He has people crying for him after the game, thanking him right after God. Look how he recruits. Look at all these guys he's starting to land. He's built a Midwestern dynasty at his alma mater. Meanwhile, he sits atop the NFL coaching cycle candidate list. Ben Johnson, if he was offered a job at the Carolina Panthers or the Raiders this year, he'd be happy to take it. Jim Harbaugh, on the other hand, what motive does he have to accept either of those jobs? He's not building a program up from the ground up. It's a waste of his time. That's what he did at Michigan for the better part of the past decade. He's not doing that again. But if I say Brandon Staley gets canned in LA or Sean McDermott in Buffalo gets fired or the Bears end up landing the one and two pick and get to take Caleb Williams and Marvin Harrison Jr. Now those are enticing jobs. Those are jobs he'd consider because Jim Harbaugh has been to a Super Bowl And he's not leaving what he has built at Michigan to go back to the NFL unless he's got a real shot at getting back to one of those Super Bowls. He's not wasting his time in Carolina or the Raiders or whatever other job opens up because the team failed to produce anybody. He holds all the power. He's going to do whatever's best for him. And to be honest, John, I don't know what is best for him at this point. Because if that job in Buffalo opens up or the job in L.A. opens up for the Chargers, and he can go go coach Josh Allen or Herbert. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty enticing. And what I do know is this suspension from the NCAA is coming and it's going to have some sort of impact on his decision, whatever that is.
2: No, I'm, I would say for Harbaugh right now, not knowing what the NCAA is going to come down on, on him with, right? And he knows what he was or was not involved in, but... If he thinks he can get out with, oh, maybe just another three-game suspension to start next season, talking hypothetical here, I don't know why you leave Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. And this is not coming, as you know, from a homer who's like, no, he can't leave. Michigan's bigger than the NFL. No, that, it's that's not. that's And no, that's not, not what I say. But the way that this program or university, however you want to phrase it, has just been so supportive of him through all of this and have defended him At every single crossroads throughout this whole investigation, why would you leave for an NFL job that you can get canned from in two years? Because you can coach Josh Allen. I get that. The only, the one thing in why college coaches leave for the NFL is because recruiting is just, you know, it's a strain. The NFL doesn't have the same recruiting because Harbaugh already in the back of his mind is thinking about next year, two years, five years down the line. That's how you have to operate as a college football coach. You try and live in the here and now, but you want to be good in the future as well. In the NFL, that's not really your responsibility. It's more the GM's responsibility, right? right. So that's yeah. the only thing I would say. But he's beloved here. And if he wins a championship this year, he's not going to be outed for maybe 10, 15 seasons. But you go if- to the NFL, there's uncertainty. I mean, with the with especially with Buffalo, you you throw it, oh, co- coaching Josh Allen. Ken Dorsey, the OC, gets fired from Buffalo after that looked like it was well, who'd he a, get fired a great by? opportunity. Who did he get fired by?
1: Sean McDermott. Yeah. Because he's running the place. Jim yeah, Harbaugh I could get go that. have that power and go run an NFL team I, and try to go finish the story he didn't get to do in San Francisco.
2: I know, but when Dable left for the Giants, Dorsey got that job. It was like, oh, this great offense just falls into your lap, and now he's out of a job. The, the, the NFL, it's it, it's it's a different beast, too. And he's been there, done that. This exactly. isn't a guy who, and I, I'll say this on, I think, the inverse of how you're thinking. He's already climbed the ladder. Okay, hasn't won a Super Bowl, but he's built a great or built a great team, coached a great team, had a guy who was injured midseason and took a backup quarterback to the Super Bowl. He's proven there. Unlike a guy like Nick Saban, who everyone will say, regardless if he finishes his life as the best college football coach of all time, Ah, but he couldn't cut it in the NFL. Right, that's not the same narrative with Harbaugh. No, he didn't have great NFL success, but he could cut it. He went to Super Bowl. That's good enough. So I I, I don't know. Just based on uh, how they've how Michigan I'm talking about here have been able to rally for him. I don't know why you leave unless, you know, it gets a little, the waters get a little too murky for you.
1: Well, if you win a championship and then the NCAA gets all upset and says you're done for the entire season next year, don't you think that has some sort of impact on the decision he's going to make? Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I I truly do believe Jim Harbaugh's at the top of the coaching cycle in the NFL. Because if you're the Chargers, if you're the Bills, do you bring in someone like Ben Johnson, who's never been a head coach, has upside or do you bring in someone who has been to a Super Bowl before, who's created cultures, who's built organizations? That seems like the clear candidate to me.
2: And a lot of this, I think, lies on how Michigan finishes this season, by Agreed. the way. Agree. Harbaugh wins
1: it all. Bye-bye. I'm going to the NFL. <laughs> 989-837-6125. What do you think Harbaugh's doing next season? NFL picks still to come. You're listening to the payoff fueled by Forward Energy.
0: Back to the payoff on the Great Lakes Bay region's home for sports. Yeah, everybody looks good at home. Sports Radio 100.9, The Mitt.
1: John, are you ready for some NFL picks? I am. I don't I know am. if we should waste any time. Uh, let's get into the standings first, though. Total. Do you have it pulled up right now? Uh, the total season record. You are currently in first place. You're the only one with a above 50% hit rate. There you go. That's pretty good. Brad is deciding to just like opt out. Yeah. This is ridiculous he's like, by the he's way like content with like 44%. And he's like, I'm just never going to make a pick again and hope you guys fit. I
2: mean, is it admirable though? Because he knows he's just not going to help the listener base win money <laughs> that he's just like, listen, I'm not going to try and put up, put in all this research. I've been a loser. I think I'm he, just going to duck out. I think he has to have
1: a minimum amount of picks for it to count by the end of the season. Mm. He has to have at least 75% I, with, of the picks that we make.
2: I, I'm good with him out right now. I think it's done. I think he's done. Uh, I don't think he picks another game in our segment this, uh,
1: this whole <laughs> yeah, rest of the season. Uh, you are 22-19-1 on the season. There you go. I am 18-21-3. This is the week. This is the week. You this said is, it in the promo. This, this is, is your the week. week. This is the week. We finally have nah, – no, I mean, we've had enough data. We've had enough information. But now we really know who these teams are.
2: Hey, the, you know, people say it for a long time. It's what John Madden used to say, too. The – it starts after Thanksgiving. That's when the season starts. Oh,
1: so the Lions are 0-1. <laughs> NFL picks. Hit the music, John. There we go. All righty. We'll start things out with Thursday night football. You can listen to it right here on 100.9 The Mit Seahawks on the road against the Cowboys. Cowboys are nine and a half point favorites. Both teams on a full seven-day rest playing on Thanksgiving. 81% of the monies. Eighty uh, percent! Oh my gosh! Eighty-one percent of the money is on the Cowboys to cover the spread. John, seventy percent is the magic number, right? If you ever see it above seventy, you you fade the public. It's at eighty. I don't need to see any stats on this besides that. I'll take the Seahawks to cover. Wow!
2: And this is good because I'm going the exact opposite way. Dallas, oh they're five and zero at home this year. Mm-hmm. They have beaten a their opponent at least in every game by 20 points at home. Their average margin of victory is 29 points. I saw the Seahawks play the 49ers. Geno Smith looked terrible. I think people are finally seeing uh, how to game plan Seattle. They're with their backup running back. I think the Cowboys may not win by 20, but as long as they win by double digits in Jerry's world, that's all they need. I'm going to pick Dallas minus nine and a half. Dax coming into his own a team, a game the Cowboys really both teams need in terms of the playoff chase in the NFC. And we're going head to head in this one. I'm picking the Cowboys minus nine and a half.
1: Everybody believes in Dallas. It's almost like we've seen this one before.
2: Oh, come on. They thrash the commanders. They're, they're killing teams. Everyone thrashes the
1: commanders.
2: They they're killing suck. teams. Five, five and zero at home. All right. Average margin of victory of 29 points. 29? 29.
1: Stop talking. You're making me feel bad about my pick (laughs) Colts minus one at Tennessee. The Colts are currently six and five. And I didn't even know this until I was looking at it earlier today. They're in the last playoff spot right now. It's crazy. They're the seven seed. They're trying to keep their season alive against the Titans. One and a half point favorites on the road. Are you in? Are you out?
2: Well, I'm out. It's amazing though. How the AFC North has all these teams winning records. And then the Colts, you know, find themselves in a playoff spot. Just, just amazing how that works. To me, I don't even know what to think of that game. Yeah, I'm Minshew out. versus Levis. I, I'm out. I'm out. Uh, Falcons, another road favorite, one and a half
1: in New York against the Jets, led by Tim Boyle.
2: Yeah, I'm going with Atlanta here. Uh, Atlanta's coming off a game where they ran for 228 yards against the New Orleans Saints. Got a victory. Right now, both of those teams are an amazing five and six leaders in their division a tie. But obviously, Atlanta holds the tiebreaker. The Jets, this lauded Jets defense that everyone loves so much, they have the second-worst rush defense in the NFL. Miami had no trouble rushing against them last week. The Falcons are minus one and a half. I get that it's in New York, but I'm going with Atlanta. Not a team I feel all too confident about, and I get Desmond Ritter as the quarterback, but Atlanta's got a two-headed rushing attack than Algier and Bijan Robinson. I think that's going to be enough to win the game.
1: Well, you'd have to think if... If Atlanta can get to 20 points, it's over, right? There's just no way Tim Boyle's scoring 20 points.
2: No, no. All right, I
1: like the pick. Thank you. Lions, minus four and a half against the Saints in the Superdome.
2: (laughs) What do you got? Well, we talked about it this week, and we talked about it yesterday, more specifically with Jared Goff. We'll get into it tomorrow, too. We will, and you can go back and listen to the podcast, Ah. the payoff, any of the platforms. It's going to be there for you. But, hey, Dome Atmosphere, that's where Jared Goff Thrives. I get that last week was in a dome against the Packers. I don't believe uh, in the Saints as much as I actually do in Green Bay. Derek Carr can win you some games. I think this one's going to be close, but I think the Lions are going to win by one score, minus four and a half. I think they win by at least a touchdown, and I think they get back on the right track. It's it's a game that I think uh, probably in the beginning of the season you felt was going to be a layup. Now feels a little... I don't know, a little more difficult just because really? of the last couple of weeks. I feel but the opposite. I still Okay. I, and especially New Orleans losing to Atlanta, I think the Lions are going to take care of business down in Louisiana. So
1: the Saints offense is an absolute mess right now. They're 29th in a red zone scoring percentage for touchdowns at least. They don't score when they get there. They have a lot of trouble. Derek Carr ranks 23rd in terms of yards per attempt. He does not throw the ball down the field. He's dealing with that AC joint injury. His favorite target is Alvin Kamara right now. They're going to be without at least two of their top three receivers. They're also going to be without their best DB, Marshawn Lattimore, potentially without Cameron Jordan, eight time Pro Bowl edge rusher. This is a a mess of an injury team right now. I'll take the Lions to cover. I think this is a get right game, an opportunity, and they can't stop the run against anybody. So I think this is a get right game for the lions. I'll take the lions minus four and a half. We'll get into it tomorrow. Broncos on the road against this Texans team. That has become one of my favorite teams to watch minus three and a half for Houston. Are you in or are you out? Yeah. Well, it's got
2: your favorite college quarterback. Of course, CJ stroud up. Uh, <laughs> kidding. I'm out on this one, two teams. I don't know what to make of it.
1: Uh, I'm going to be in on this one. I'll take the home team to cover the Texans minus three and a half CJ stroud, man. Mm. He has been on. Un- Real, he's not one of the best rookies I've ever seen. He is the best rookie quarterback I've ever seen. He's one wow. of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. They have the most. Ex- they have the most explosive plays in the NFL. Denver is a bottom ten team at stopping the pass. That's how Houston has killed teams this season. Denver wants to run the ball. Houston is a top ten team against the run. Houston's trying to get back into the playoff picture. They're four and two at home. I'll take the Texans. Chargers. Minus five and a half against the Patriots. What an awful matchup. Yeah. I'm out. I'm out too. I don't need to see that one. Cardinals. It is. uh, What if Jim Harbaugh is coaching it? Oh, that I'm so invested. (laughs) Cardinals with Kyler Murray on the road against the Steelers. I was surprised the spread was this high. Steelers favored by five and a half. I was getting ready to take the Steelers. Everyone was picking the Cardinals. Oh, Kyler Murray's back. I I was so ready to pick the Steelers. And I was five and a half
2: too high. I'm out. Yeah. I think the over under 41 is too half. I'm surprised it's not a big 10 championship over under between those two teams. I'm out on this one. Dolphins minus
1: nine and a half against the commanders. They were big time. Uh, well we, we didn't do it last week cause of Thanksgiving, but two weeks ago, they were big favorites against Raiders. They weren't able to cover another big favorite against a commander's team. Are you in or are you out?
2: Ah, uh, this one, I, I, I was thinking about it. It was the game I left off the table. You know, we only pick five, uh, but I'm out. I would have gone Dolphins, but I'm out. They're bullies.
1: They beat up on bad teams. I'm, I'm also out. Yeah. Uh, Panthers at the Bucks. Bucks favored by minus five and a half. I'm out. This is this is disgusting. There's no read. <laughs> There's if this shows Come up on. on red zone, I'm gonna be upset. There's no reason I need to see this game.
2: Come on, it's Carolina without their uh, head coach, right? Inter-
1: oh, I forgot about that. I totally would have taken the Panthers if that was the case. <laughs> I might change my next. P- do it live change. I can't, I can't, Aww. I can't. There's no, there's no skill position players on this team. There's no wide receivers. Dude, no I'm feeling, running. bro. Yeah. He, had, he, had, he had, he had, two catches for three yards last week. Are you in on this? I'm out. That, I feel like the new coach thing, anytime a team fires their coach, hey, they Antonio win. Daniel Pierce. Me, exactly. They're totally going to win. Straight up. Pick it. No, I'm out. Wow. I'm out. I can't put my money on Bryce. You know? um, okay. 49ers minus two and a half. In Philadelphia, this is the first time Philadelphia has been a road or a home dog in two years.
2: Yeah, and for that reason, I'm going with the Eagles on this one. I I get it's an even matchup, and unfortunately, you don't want to hear this Lions fans, but maybe an NFC Championship preview. But I'm I'm going with Philly. Right now, the weather in Philadelphia for that Sunday is going to be in the mid-40s and raining. I think Philly just wins games. I get it wasn't convincingly and arguably they should have lost against Buffalo last week. But this is an Eagles team that finds a way. I don't know if San Fran, it's really San Fran going to have to run the ball, especially if the conditions are bad. I'm going to pick the Eagles. They just find ways to win, especially at home if this game's in San Fran, maybe a different story. But my home underdog, two and a half, going to Philadelphia.
1: I am out on this. I will enjoy it immensely, though. Best game of the weekend. Browns at the Rams. Rams, three and a half point favorites. I'm out.
2: Yeah, well, this game's gonna ha- be captivating for me to see if Joe Flacco starts or not for Cleveland. They signed him this week. Gross. They need to win, Gross. right? They're they're on the bubble right now and just you know in the hunt, out, right on the outside looking in. They need four? this game, yeah. <laughs> they need they need this game, and they may have to start Joe Flacco because Dorian Thompson Robinson is not it. I am not in on this game just because of that caveat, uh, but I'm I'm gonna be intrigued by this one. Chiefs
1: minus six in Lambeau Field. The public is on the Packers. Mahomes has never played in Lambeau. Green Bay has won three of their last four. Jordan Love is looking a lot better. Meanwhile, the Chiefs look shaky. They're 2-2 and in their past four games. Mahomes hasn't thrown for 300 yards in any one of those games in that stretch. Everyone thinks this this is a sneaky pick of the week. I get it, but I disagree with it. I will take the Chiefs to cover. They're going to blow the Packers out of the water. I will never, you'll never catch me betting against Patrick (laughs) Mahomes. It's the dumbest thing you can do. I'm out
2: on this one, but I like the pick.
1: Bengals. This is Monday night. Bengals in Jacksonville. Jacksonville minus eight and a half point favorites. No Joe Burrow. You in or you out?
2: I'm actually in on this one. Was I the only one that was like, "All right, Browning's not bad" in that Pittsburgh game? Uh, no. You might be the only one. I, <laughs> he didn't look too bad. He got mobility as well. Bengals eight and a half. Jaguars haven't played uh, on Monday Night Football in like a decade. I'm gonna pick Cincinnati. Plus eight and a half. I think they're gonna I think they're gonna stay within striking distance with the Jaguars. I've got an I opportunity. I don't think Browning's a bump.
1: I've got an opportunity to gain some ground on you this week because I'm going head-to-head to head on you in a few different games, including this one.
2: Wow.
1: Bengals defense has never really been their strength. They've always been kind of sneaky good, though. Not this year. They're 29th rated PFF defense, 19th in opponent points per game, 19th in opponents rushing yards per game. How is Jake Browning supposed to keep up with this Jacksonville team? This is a spot for Jacksonville to put themselves in the map, flex their muscles on primetime, and maybe people will start considering them a real contender after this.
2: A I lot of people yet. think
1: they're a pretender right now. I do this too. This is an opportunity to show what they can do. Michigan, minus 21.5 point favorites. The Big 10 championship, baby. That's what we love for our championship games. Uh, going against Iowa. Listen, 2022, 15 point spread versus Purdue. They won by 21. 2021, I don't even know if the spread was against Iowa, but I know they covered. It was 42 to three. That's what I anticipate this weekend. Wow. I don't, I don't know how I if if Michigan scores 10 points, the game's over. <laughs> I'll take hey, Michigan.
2: I'll throw in this. Uh, Iowa's only been a 20 point underdog three times since 2016. 2016 when they beat Michigan. 2017 when they beat Ohio State, and then a year ago. When they got killed by Ohio State and didn't cover, so two of those three times, I don't know. I don't know. No, I'm going Michigan.
1: We, I think we've <laughs> all just picked Michigan every week. It's, it's not helping it or hurting either us down of us yet,
2: and except for the Maryland game.
1: Well, the original idea was you have to either pick Michigan or Michigan State, and it got yeah. to the point where none of us were willing to put our money on Michigan State.
2: You know why I'm happy for this NFL week, Ben? Why? The Giants have a bye. <laughs> <laughs> you can't lose the bye week. Can't lose they'll find a way though. You
1: might find a way. I'm I I feel bad, John. Yeah, you shouldn't. But we shouldn't. Two Super Bowls, you shouldn't. You should dunk on me every time. Subtle, subtle jab at us. All right everyone, that was the payoff. I hope it was worth it. Thanks for listening.